Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is the finale of our 12 days of the Comic Source. So I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. This episode comes out on Christmas Day. And as my present to you, one of my favorite people on the planet, not just one of my favorite comic creators, but somebody who I, I consider a friend and a, and a fantastic talent and a really great guy. It's my pleasure to welcome Tom King back to the show. Tom, thanks for joining me. What a pleasure to be on here. Merry Christmas to you and to the whole audience if this is Christmas Day. So that's that's awesome. What a cool, cool thing. Yeah, and I think that makes it a year to the day that the last time you're on the show, because last year we had you on for the, I think it was Christmas, Christmas Eve or Christmas. So it's becoming the, the annual tradition here at the Comic Stars to have Tom King come on and wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Excellent. Yes, good. Um, take that elf. I'm going to take you over for the movie. <laughs> They're going to just play this podcast on TBS for 24 hours. That's right. That's right. We'll get it. And we'll get it. Well, and part of the reason I that we do it, and I love having you on this time of year, we were talking about it before we started recording. Christmas is a big deal at your house. Plus, you have Hanukkah, you know, and the kids. And I, I mean, I came from a big family. I, I only have the one daughter at home now. So we try to make a big deal. And my wife and I both love Christmas. We go crazy. She's got like 60 Christmas trees in the house, including I think we're up to like six full size trees. You have six full-size trees in your yeah. house? Yeah, and over 60 trees overall. Um, but yeah, in fact, you know okay, what? Okay, so that's, that's, that's beyond. That's amazing. So everybody who's watching on YouTube, let me take my background down just for a second. And you can see behind me uh, one of the trees and also the Christmas train village. You guys there. are all out. So, yeah, we, we, you know, even though it's only, you know, we only have the one kid at home, but we do throw a big holiday party. Although this year it'll be, you know, about three people that are vaccinated and, and boosterized. Oh, <laughs> but we'll get sense, back yeah. to the, yeah, we'll get back to the big parties eventually. But, but my point is, yeah, Christmas is a big deal. And I love the fact that you have, all, cause that's what I had when I was a kid. And that's why I love Christmas so much. Big family, lots of brothers and sisters. And it was just a big, like, extravaganza fun time getting up early ripping open the presents chaos it's just a joyful time uh, do a hundred percent yeah christmas was my best memories as a kid was christmas i was telling my kids i was taking them to school today so this is thursday before their christmas break so tomorrow will be the friday and i was like as far as i can remember my youngest is 12 when I was 12 years old, the Friday of Christmas break was probably the best day of my life. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Just in terms of pure happiness, that coming home, that day of Christmas, you're like, I don't have school for two weeks. And in the middle of it, I got Christmas. Oh, my God. It was, it was like you could feel the stress source like leak from your body. It was. Oh, yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah I, I'm always trying to create that for my kids. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And it was like you knew what you had to look forward to was not only did you not have to get up early for school, but for me, it was like I have to look forward to two weeks of reading comics and playing with Legos. <laughs> That's yeah. It was a lot of comics. I had a, my, my brother and I had a bunk bed growing up and then he, then we got a slightly bigger house. So he had his own room. So I still had the bunk bed. So I would move in Christmas from the bottom bunk to the top bunk. Cause you just slept on the bottom and I would bring my favorite comics up to my bed with me, almost like it was like its own little fort. Cause like, there was no like ladder. Like I was like, trapped there with my comics. Like I'm going to just, be trapped in a place with my comic books and, re and read them. And that was my like Christmas tradition. And it was always, I always reread re Dark Knight Returns and Daredevil, uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil for some reason. Those are definitely, <laughs> definitely worthy. Uh, I can't, I don't know that I ever had specific comics that I, I reread. I, I mean, I know there were some 
there were some certain issues that I always read around that time. There was one. Did you ever used to read ROM Space Night when you were a kid? Loved ROM when I was. I pitched. I accidentally pitched ROM to Marvel in 1999. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I loved ROM. Do you remember? And I don't necessarily know if it was set at Christmas, but I remember the whole reason I bought it because it had the coolest cover. It was a, it was a black background. It was snowing. Ron was laying on the ground. There was a silver spider attacking him, and and then the story <laughs> he fights these spiders in in this junkyard in the snow. I always read I, I in my mind because it was snowing. It was Christmas, and I always equated those things. I always read that one around Christmas time. Did they not brought back Rom? I mean, I know I remember J.K. Uh, did a cover for them for some IDW yeah, thing. IDW, but, yep. Uh, but they, Marvel has all the power and money in the world, and they can't bring Rom back. That's such a cool freaking design. Him with his gun and fighting them, dire wraiths and stuff. Yeah, cool it, yeah. It, it was, I don't know. I mean, IDW tried to bring it back. It didn't resonate. I, I don't know what's wrong with kids. I bought them all. I read them. I thought they were good. <laughs> the other, you know, the other thing that's really great about Christmas and this. Uh, kind of dovetails into another one of your loves you know older older movies we get all these cool <laughs> i mean th- it's a whole industry right you got the hallmark channel and the family channel they make the cheesiest christmas movies and my 100%. wife watches them all but my question to you the fact that you love all these old movies there's i don't know at this point like 20 different versions of charles dickens uh christmas carol sure have you seen a lot of those old ones and and if so do you have a a favorite like what what for you is the definitive version i'm gonna say it and, and your audience is gonna think i'm sucking up to them but my favorite and i've seen it i've seen 50s 60s modern ones tv it's muppets the muppets did it the best <laughs> that's my favorite one of of them all um i just yeah that's i think it's actually very loyal to the book i've read the book and it really captures i mean it's, it was right after jim henson died so it's not the right kermit voice exactly but it's his son doing the voice it's not so far off like i feel like today they've kind of strayed really far from the original kermit voice yeah and and it and gonzo's hilarious in it and it's and michael Caine is brilliant he's the he's my favorite scrooge of all time like in, in terms of he's perfect in the beginning as the asshole you hate and you really believe in the transformation and uh, yeah, I, that's a, that's a stupid, silly answer, but in my heart of hearts, that's my favorite one. No, that that's a great answer. That is one that I don't know that I've seen, or if I have, I probably saw it when I was a kid, but I don't, I don't remember it at all. But but last year, I was like, you know what, I need I need to be able to answer this question for myself. I was thinking about it. We watched about six different versions last year, which is not anywhere near all of them. So we'll watch no. different six this year. But yeah, it's so, it like you said, it's so strange how different people can interpret that story in a, in a different way. Like the Jim Carrey animated one and yeah, the, the Patrick Stewart one. And uh, yeah, there, I was just reading about like the original, like Charles Dickens. It, apparently it was, it was a big success in its first beginning. And he was a kind of at an ebb in his career. He had just released a book that hadn't been great. And this was kind of his trying to make a comeback, like a more popular book. And it was popular in that it sold 6,000 copies, which seems so small, <laughs> but, uh, but the, the book was so nice. He, he was so nicely designed because he put so much effort into it that it didn't make a, it, it made him like a hundred dollars the first thing. And then immediately, um, it caught on as a play, like, like within a year, there were like 12 different productions around London of a Christmas Carol. And he was suing everyone because none of them asked this permission (laughs) trying to get him off. But like, like people just recognized it immediately as something like you could interpret into a thousand different things. Like it was like an instant classic as soon as it came out. Yeah. And in fact, 
uh, in the most recent uh, Batman Urban Legends, the the uh, the December issue, Tinny Howard did a did a version of it with Nightwing. I don't know if you got a chance to check that out, but it was fun. I have. I mean, it's one of those stories that I feel like you read, you know, six times. It's it's just a very easy story to recreate, and it helps. It's in the public domain, so you can recreate it for free. So, <laughs> yeah, and you yeah, are, uh, I feel like everyone's done it. Yeah, and you often do christmas stories in the in the dc holiday special i don't think you did one in the one this year but i slacked some... off this year but i mean i feel like i made up for it in that bat cat takes place entirely in the week before christmas that is true that <laughs> so is true. I, I've, I've been i've been christmas treeing all year long and i just signed off on the bat cat special number one which is um uh, dedicated to jp leone who uh, tragically passed away while he was drawing the book and it's it's uh it's maybe my biggest quote unquote Christmas issue I've ever written. It's all about sort of, yeah, it's, 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 it's very um, heartwarming and heart wrenching kind of story, but it all takes place at Christmas. Yeah. And everybody, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the cover for that one. Just, uh, just above oh, me there. Yeah, there it is. There's JP's cover. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I yeah. mean, you've, you've, but you have had a chance to write some really great, uh, the Lobo story you did was fantastic. And uh, probably I've my been... favorite Christmas story you wrote was probably the, uh, the unknown soldier that, that one just, that was great i mean yeah that's that's an instant classic and i think last year during 12 days of the comic source i i ranked it up there pretty high when i was ranking my my favorite holiday stories but uh but thanks man but you mentioned batcat taking place um you know in the week before christmas even though it's coming out over you know it's 12 issues a little over a year (laughs) coming out over three years now (laughs) because clay's not the fastest but you have liam sharp who's who's been filling in who you know liam's uh art is fantastic as well but my my question is I, I know that you recently changed the way that you write in that you're you're now tend to write your uh your stories all in as kind of as a novel rather yeah. than writing one script per month and you know working on this or that uh i think i heard you say covid gave you a chance with a little bit of the slowdown to to switch over to this new model so was was Batcat one of those that you got a chance to, to write the whole thing before it came out or was this one that you were working on scripts for a while? And, and if so, like how is it tough to write it? A story that's set around Christmas time when it's, you know, maybe a balmy, you know, 90 degrees outside in DC. Is, uh, I I mean, it's, I mean, Clay and I started back cat in 2019, maybe even 18, way back there. I mean, literally I, I wrote, Batcat one before I wrote Batman. I don't know, like eighty or like, like uh, it was before, before I finished my run on yeah before City of Bane. I think I wrote Batcat one. So I mean, we're going back two to three years. Yeah. Um, because I because that was the next issue Clay drew after the two City of Bane issues, the, the on the beach issues. Uh, so I did the I did the first two issues together. And then I took a little break and then I, then I kind of just had them in sort of a normal rotation and then COVID hit. So I, I probably, I think I was done with the first half when COVID hit and then I wrote the next six altogether um, fairly recently. So yes, there's a big gap between me writing the first six and me writing the second six, like, 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 like a year and a half gap. Wow. I, so I see, see, I think that would be challenging for, as a writer to, to, I mean, I know you're constantly juggling product projects, but, and that's part, maybe part of the reason you can speak to this, why 
you change to, you know, Hey, let me just write this whole thing. Cause then I'm living just in this story and I don't have to, you know, flip my brain around between, <laughs> uh, between stories. So was it challenging to get, get back into it? It was, it was, it was challenging. Uh, uh, it was, you know, I, clay was for, for, uh, for many reasons was, was a little, uh, you know, I was waiting for him to sort of catch up before I sort of got there and it took him a while to catch up. So that's why I didn't, it took a while to sort of write the second half. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, it was definitely a little, a little challenging to sort of go back and be like, what was this? What was this all about? Where was and it's a complicated story because it takes place in three, it's three storylines happening simultaneously in three different time periods. It's kind of Uncle Scrooge-ish. <laughs> uh, uh, so like, yeah, I had to, I had to like make sure I captured and all the characters are in different, I mean, Batman doesn't change. He's always Batman. And he's dead in the, the third one, but, um, but Catwoman's like in a very different headset and all three of them. And I had to make sure I sort of got back in her head and where she was at and where the daughter was at. So yeah, it, it was, it was, I would say difficult to get the thread back. It's one of the reasons you know, when I'm charging ahead with a, with a, um, a script, I'm like, I want to finish this because I don't want to sort of lose the thread again. It's, 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 it's easier to just keep it, keep it together for sure. Yeah. I think, uh, and, and, you know, this isn't necessarily always feasible just because of the economics of, of comics, but I, I feel like so much of what you do, it works so much better in, in a collected edition, you know, um, so, some of your things, I, I think like Rorschach, that that work you know it was, it was compelling strange adventures also um supergirl not, not as much um <laughs> but but definitely your batman catwoman and, and i think it does because like you said it's such a complicated story um that it's for a, a reader looking for the payoff it's kind of it's kind of tough but i know once it's all once all the issues are out and i get to sit down and read it in one reading that it's going to just be more impactful like i'm going to pull more out of it so i almost wish sometimes some of the, some of your projects you had the uh, ability to just say okay i'm going to work on this until you know until it's done um and a lot of times it's it's the artist which you get to work with incredible artists but that kind of care that they take that clay man takes that mitch garrett's takes that doc shaner takes it, it it takes time so um any any thoughts about that like do you have a preference are you glad they come out monthly do you wish some of the stuff would come out as a just as a collected edition I mean, I wish, um, I mean, my, my greatest thought, I think the, the hardest thing to do is to get the artists as much, um, head start as possible. Mm -hmm. Like, like I, I think sometimes comics start because a publisher will be like, we have this comic, we have a few in the bin, let's just get it out there. And once we're in the midst of the chaos, then we'll figure out where we are. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> I just, I, I've been around what you're in the midst of the cast. It'll just be harder. Like it's better off. Let, let them bank issues. Let them like my right. creator owned, um, which I'm doing with Elsa Charte, which hasn't been announced yet. Like she, she just said on, on Twitter today that, that she'd finished the first 120 pages. So the first five issues are done. So I, before we release the first issue, so I can honestly say to my audience and be like, you're going to have five months of comics when this comes out, you know? Like there's, there's not going to be any breaks. There's not going to be any fill-ins. It's going to be five months. We're that's far ahead. So that, that, that's my, that's my, I mean, it's tough when you're dealing with big corporations who have deadlines and, uh, and they're paying you in advance. And so they're just completely in the red until that comic comes out. Right. Um, so I, I understand it totally from their point of view, but to me, the, the, I mean, the selfish writer, the, the product at the end of the day that I want is a trade with the best art possible in it. 
and uh, that requires just to give a ton of lead time. Uh, I mean, if you're looking at um, uh, a human target, which I'm working on now, we were really lucky and had a bunch of lead time in that, which gave Greg a chance to develop this whole new style and it just, it couldn't look better and it couldn't be a better, I mean, I couldn't make a better book than what Greg's doing on that. So that's the, that's the model I really like. Yeah. And I, I agree. Like, and, and selfishly, it's like, okay, once I, once I see Greg's art and I start d- diving into the human target story, then yeah, I want it. I, I want it as soon as possible as well. So I don't want to wait for the trade on, on some of these things. Uh, but, but yeah, I find it, I, I it's such a struggle, you know, because, as you know, when when something is supposed to come out as a monthly, but then if it slips, either because the artist just needs a little more time, and, and to your point, you know, you want them to be able to uh, put out the best art possible, and sometimes that takes time. Um, but the shelves are so crowded, a story can lose momentum, and a series can lose momentum if it has to if it has to skip a month. You know, people forget about it. There's so so much content, and I'm not just talking comics. There's just so much creative content out there these days that people can binge and whatnot. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's. I think it's tough with Batcat when it's it's you know it's every two months now, and you're picking it up and you read it, and you're, again, it's three stories happening, and you're like, where, where were we on which each each yep. of these stories, and how do they connect to each other? And and there's a mystery. Yeah, it, it's it's tough on the audience. Um, but I mean, in that sort, I mean, everyone's just doing the best they can. You know, like people have to live lives, and and lives are unpredictable and sometimes that means your productivity is unpredictable and there's no use yelling at anyone because of that or being mad because that that's just what life fucking is and you do the best you can and at the end of the day what i want to create is i mean just like we started at this when i was a kid and i went into my bunk bed and i was reading those things i was reading a trade of dark knight returns i was reading a trade of daredevil and uh you know i didn't I didn't care. I mean, Dark Knight Returns, the last issue was really, really late. You know, yeah. like I, I never knew that as a kid and I didn't give a fuck. I was like, I just thought that it was, it was, and nobody knows that today. Nobody, I mean, Watchmen, the last three issues were super late and everyone was complaining and saying they lost the thread and nobody cares about that any, yep. anymore today. They're just like, yeah, thank God they Gibbons took the time to make it as perfect as they could because people don't remember the gaps. They remember the book. If the book is good, if the book is good. Well, and, 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 you know, I think ultimately when we, we get the complete story of of bat cat you know whether you collect all the issues and then can read it in one sitting or you get the collected you got a story that's all about the love of selena and bruce the joker's there the most classic batman villain of all time and it's got freaking phantasm in it i mean yeah <laughs> like what more could you want and you know we were just ta- we started off talking about how personal christmas is to you and you chose to set you know this sort of epic romantic love story that I, I feel like is the true conclusion to your Batman run in that time that for you is so personal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. And it has a big monumental, like it's going to get a lot of attention ending. So um, yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, it'll have, I mean, it'll have nine issue of Clay's art. And I still think Clay is maybe the best artist in comics in just terms of drawing superheroes. I just think he's unsurpassed. And, uh, and I will always su- support working with them just because, I mean, the guy's a genius of what he does. Yeah, so. I, I, I can't disagree with you. I, I remember, like, you, you hear the, the term jaw dropping, but I, my jaw literally dropped when I, and I'm sure you've seen this image. Uh, it, it was the splash page he did for the Ninjak where yeah. uh, he's sitting as a, as a boy, little Ninjak is sitting there watching. And you look at his eyeball and there's a reflection of the movie he's watching in his eyeball. 
and the detail was just and i just remember seeing that and going oh my god this guy's amazing yeah clay does that stuff all the time man look at and there's a panel in batman um i think it's 70 where they're on the beach and catwoman's just sitting in a chair drinking a um a daiquiri or something and you look in the background and it's just three-dimensional it's you see a hotel you see little people walking on the beach each of them has their own story some of them are playing with kids you see signs and you're like how could he and it's a panel and i'm not talking a splash i'm talking a double page it's a panel and and it's just like you could reach inside it and take that world it's entirely real um so that to me that kind of talent's worth waiting for always yeah exactly And, and the other thing that's great about this uh, is like you were saying the the Batman uh, Catwoman special, which um, which JP Leone got to do the, the first half of, and then you know tragically lost his battle with cancer, um, and, and then you had other artists and friends come in and, and finish it off. That's going to be a part of this story too, right? Like that's th- going to be your tribute and and the other creators, you know, like Mitch Garretts, who was a friend with JP and and whatnot. And really, it's it's your love letter, you, you guys, your love letter to to JP and and his family and you know really i think a fitting tribute that it's going to be part of uh bat cat forever i mean you can't there's nothing i can do that contribute to jp or his legacy i mean it's just it seems absurd that i would write something um but uh yeah so the the script i wrote was um and that's another thing like like, like originally this was just an idea because we you know we knew clay was taking his time so we we, we did this as a plug-in issue <laughs> Um, and, and I, again, I wrote this back in probably 2020. Um, and, uh, so it was just supposed to be sort of this interlude issue between things. And I wrote this, I mean, the whole issue is all about, it's about, you know, um, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but, but it's, it's, it's a very like, like deep issue. I mean, it's about life and death and the experiences in between and, and, um, it's one of the best things I've ever written, I think. Uh, and 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 because uh, I was worked, I mean, I'd worked with JP. We'd been nominated for an Eisner together, and I, and I had no idea he was as sick as he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, good, I wrote something that was worthy of JP. That was really all I wanted to do. Um, and he was drawing it and looked great. And then you know we heard the news, um, and then he, and he was like, you know, I had just emailed with him, you know, a week before about. Um, we were going to turn our project into this um, cartoon and we were talking about it and talking about this. And he was talking about like hitting deadlines and I had no idea, but he was like emailing me from the hospital and stuff. And uh, he just didn't tell me. And uh, yeah, then, then he passed. So he, he drew the first 10 page or 10 or 30, I think 10 to 12 pages. And, um, but he, he uh, laid out the first 20 mm. So then Bernard Chang is one of his best friends uh, d- did the, on top of his layouts kind of inked his layouts and, and they're beautiful. Um, and then Mitch came in and, and did the, it's a 38 page issue, did the second half, the last 18 pages uh, in, 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 he did the traditionally adjusting his style to be JP, to be very JP ish, which is yeah, kind of, really. uh, kind of a, a little bit of a miracle. And, um, and it's a really, it's a heartbreaking book. It's, it's not like a, one of those kind of light reads. That, I mean, I've, I've written a few light reads. This is not, this is not one of them. It's, it's, um, and I, I, I hope people appreciate it. And then, the, but you know, it's a whole issue that's dedicated to JP with like all his friends. And there's like a bunch of, um, um, uh, like pinups that people did with sort of personal messages to JP 
in in the book. So it, it's 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 I think it'll be beautiful. It comes out in January. I signed off on it last week. And it was one of those things. Again, I wrote it a year and a half ago and hadn't read it. And you know, you're reading your own work and you like don't even remember what you wrote. You know, I've probably written fifty some odd scripts since then. Um, but I was like, oh, this this still hits. I think I think it's okay. Well, yeah, you've you've written a few sad things, a few heavy hitters uh, in, in your in your day job. The next Supergirl made me cry, uh, so uh, uh, <laughs> Supergirl six, which I have here. Watch out for this one. Oh man, I yeah, I I think uh, I yeah, have but, that one in my yeah in my press copy. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but but since you mentioned Supergirl, I mean, I want to talk Human Target. I want to talk the Crater Known from what what you can tell us. I know it's still under wraps, but but since you mentioned Supergirl, let's go right into that. Uh, once again, proving that I, I don't know who you bribed or uh, who you have dirt on, but you always get paired up with the best artists. And I, I think a lot of people maybe didn't know Bilquis before she got a chance to, to work on this. I, this is in a way her sort of highest profile superhero work. You know, she, I know she's done other things in kind of the Sandman corner and, and she's certainly done and some stuff. She's been me. nominated twice for best artist for Eisner's. People should yeah. know her stuff. They, well, they should, and I think a lot of people are b- blown away not only by her her work, but the work that Matias Lopez is doing on on colors. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, you you have this fantastical, sort of almost fantasy like uh, art, and I love that you you seem to have adjusted your your scripting, like the vocabulary you're, you're using, especially for Evie's very very flowery, you know, and and that works. It's almost like you're telling this superhero fairy tale. Uh, and a much more kind of introspective and sort of, I don't want to say more serious, but this, this version of, of Kara is a little bit different than we've, than we've seen before. Yes. She's much more um, sand worn, you know, she's, yeah, yeah. That's a good yeah, way to put it. She's, she's been through this shit, I guess is the best way to do it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, this was, I blame Jamie Rich, my editor at the time, um, who since left DC, a uh, brilliant guy. Uh, I, you know, my original pitch for this was True Grit in Space, which is what it still is. And uh, people don't know True Grit's about um, like an, an old you know, crotchety guy and a young sort of naive teaming up to go hunt down a bad guy. Uh, not that it's not the first thing that came up with that plot, but it's almost the, it's the best part. It's the best of the plot. And, and the, the Coen brother movie is great. And the old John Wayne movie is not that great, but it's interesting. Uh, and I had pitched it originally, like with Supergirl as the naive. And I was like, it, it could be, anyone can be the John Wayne character. I was like Lobo, I don't know, Captain Comet, wh- whoever you want. Like just, we'll, we'll do some old guy. We'll make him drunk and, and ornery. And Jamie's like, I like this idea. And then he's like, what if, Supergirl is John Wayne. And that's when I sort of fell in love with the concept. Cause I was kind of, you know, this is usually what I do is I kind of find a movie I like, and I kind of paste stuff over it until I, I, I learn what it's really about. Um, and then I was like, Oh yeah. Supergirl as the old crotchety honorary. And then, cause then, then I went, I talked to Steve Orlando who was writing Supergirl um, at the time or just finished his run. And he had all these insights about, and his major insight was, and he's not the first person to say that, but I, it was it was a revelation to me at least. He, he's like he's like Clark was a baby, you know. He just woke up on Earth and he was surrounded by people who loved him. Kara was fourteen and her world exploded. Uh, 
and she remembers that world and she lived on Argo city. And then that world exploded and she, she's seen so much death. And um, like, that makes her a lot different than Superman. She's gone through, she, she's seen things Superman can't comprehend. She knew her parents and she knew her schoolmates and she, and saw them die. It wasn't a memory from her or a dream or something she got from a crystal. It was her life, you know? I was like, damn, Steve, that's some dark stuff. We're going to make that into a comic book. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the other thing that Steve and I have talked about, and I think this is, it ties into kind of what you're saying and and how, and I, how it's almost surprising to me that nobody has taken this um, sort of tack with Kara before and, you know, how much her trauma has shaped her. Steve talks about her compassion be, and her empathy being her, her kind of greatest superpower, you know? And so all that loss, man, she wears that like tremendously and i don't know that anybody's ever explored it to the extent that you're getting a chance to explore it here so much like you've done with mr miracle and you did with uh uh vision uh i, I sort of see this as almost a definitive run I, I know you would never you know toot your own horn like that but i see oh, this God, as no. yeah so this is how everybody should look at supergirl you know you can go back and say this is a touchstone for for her as a character I hope so. I mean, that's your plan. I mean, this, this is this is an incontinuity book, so this is actually happening. I know it's not, not like my usual. I have to remember that about Supergirl. Like my other books are kind of continuity adjacent. Like, mm-hmm. but like Supergirl is happening. Like that's that's this is the, re- the for the record. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I love working on this book. I love working with Supergirl. Um, I can't believe that she's not sort of a bigger character. She didn't even have a book when I came on board. She has her own TV show, but she didn't have a book. And uh, I just, I, I find her just thrilling to write and, I, and thrilling to watch Bilquist draw her. Uh, and I, I hope, I mean, this was part of this book and, and uh, Human Target and Killing Time were me trying to leave the headspace that Rorschach and Batcat and Strange Adventures were written in, which was that sort of 2020 uh, world of paranoia and hatred and all the shit that 2020 represents in our heads looking back on it. Right. Like I was, yeah, that was, dark. that was me being like, this shit will end and there will be better days and we'll have gone through the darkness, but that will have forged us into something stronger. And I was like, I'm going to write books that are about that and that not aren't just about the darkness tearing us apart, which is a lot about what Rorschach and strange adventures is. I'm going to write about the darkness helping us, you know? Um, so Kara is the perfect person to be sort of the face of that idea. Yeah, I, I agree. And and despite the fact that I think I sort of see human target as sort of in between the bridge and maybe maybe it's the timing or whatnot, because you're right. Rorschach, very dark. Strange Adventures, very dark. Uh, when I finished Strange Adventures, I, I wanted to, like, reach out and be like, Tom, are you, are you OK, man? Like, I, I, are you feeling OK? I mean, I know you're right there two blocks from the, you know, insurrection, which is just ridiculous. But yeah. I was there. I was outside. I watched it happen. Uh I watched them go inside. I went to walk my dog. I was like, what's all this commotion about? My wife's like, get back in the house. I was like, I just want to watch. And I, me and Roxy watched them invade the Capitol. Oh, yeah. God damn it. It, it just, yeah, insanity. Well, let's start, because like, you mentioned it, let's touch on Killing Time really, really quickly. And we'll, we'll talk about some of the other stuff. Sure. Um, so many books, Jesus. I know, man. Sorry. So many books. Well, this is what I do. You, you stick a writer in a house for two years, you're going to get a lot of books. Well, and this is the other thing that happens when I only have you on once a year. We got everything to cover. Uh, but true. but Killing Time, you know, you you yourself mentioned, and I get sort of the impression uh, from from the marketing stuff and from quote type scene from you, 
this is you get, I mean, your, your Batman run clearly was, you know, a romance story, but it also, it, it, it was deep. You know, there was a lot, lot to examine. This one seems like, man, you're just, you're going to tell a Batman story. That's just a hell of a lot of, it's, it's a heist, it's action. It's that big, you know, summer blockbuster popcorn. And you're just going to have some fun. Nobody's going to be staring out the window, looking at the rain on this one. Is that, uh, is, I mean, you're just trying to just cut loose and just have fun. That's a hundred percent. Exactly. That's um, I mean, this was originally started to do with um, what as a book for JRJR before he left DC. Mm. Um, and I just got lucky that they put, you know, an A-list artist like Marquez that he was willing to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like I've, stared into Batman's soul too much. <laughs> it stared back at me. Like, I just have no desire. Um, uh, I mean, there's another project that I have, which I'm sure I'll do that take some of the stuff back. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't, I have, I have explored the psychology of that man. I have done the pearls hitting the floor. I have done his mother issues, his father issues, his relationship with Alfred, him losing people, getting people, being compassionate, being in love, all the emotional everything um i've looked at every corner uh and i have no desire to go back to it i just <laughs> no yeah so i was when i came to this i was like okay like what do you want to do and i was like i want to do a heist movie i want to do because it was year two i mean the, the 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 parameters sort of from the beginning were um let's do something that when the movie comes out people see stuff in the stands it's like the movie which is always a good idea i mean that's i mean i originally i mean i remember reading killing joke because i saw joker in the movie and i wanted and i picked up killing jokes um so uh year two do something with joker penguin catwoman and batman that's awesome right and i was like great year two like batman and catwoman aren't in love yet so we, don't, we put that to the side they haven't kissed yet and she's still doing her robbing thing and i was like okay we're gonna do a big heist movie. I love heist movies. I love classic heist movies. I love modern heist movies. I think they're awesome. You're always rooting for the bad guy, knowing they're going to get caught. Let's do that. Um, I stole from The Killing. I stole from these old Hammer films. And uh, and then we'll do Ridley. And then I, and I, and I, but I also love, like, um, uh, usually it's a couple, but dude, and uh, a man, a woman, criminal on the run, going across the country while they're chased by a cop. I love those like. Uh, the getaway is the classic example mm-hmm. of that right um so I was, I was like we're gonna do a heist movie and then we're gonna do the getaway them on the run and they're being chased and batman's chasing them and that's and we're just gonna be fun as anything and we're gonna we're gonna introduce a brand new villain because i never got to introduce new villains in my run and he'll just be badass probably for deepness we just was the coolest fucking guy in the world so we'll do that and uh and yeah and, and let's just have and i have david marquez who draws idealized beautiful superheroes i'm not saying it's not there's not some like deep and literary ambition to the whole thing. Cause there is, I'm sure I threw it in there. <laughs> Cause, Cause I'm a pretentious fuck. I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's, it's, it's that. Yeah. I mean, I, I made a rule in the beginning cause it's um, the thing about these two, these three books, uh, Supergirl, Human Target and, and uh, Killing Time is they all have, uh, narration. They all have captions. I had given up. I'd used captions on Vision and decided I wasn't going to use them. And I didn't use them for six years uh, or five years, whatever my Batman run was. No captions. So I'm returning to captions, and, but I'm not just using captions like boring interior monologue. I'm trying to find voices in that. So, um, you know, Ruthie is this very sort of 
you know, Coen Brothers kind of voice and uh, in Human Target, I use a very sort of Chandler-esque voice. And uh, and in this one, it's, it's told from a certain perspective, um, but the perspective it's, it's told from is not Batman's perspective. So we can't, so Bruce Wayne doesn't appear at all. No, that's a spoiler, but this is not about, you never see Bruce Wayne, it's all Batman. He's always in, he's in the suit fighting crime. Yeah. So this was done in your written in your your new kind of process where you you wrote the whole thing all at once, wrote the whole thing all at once, yeah. If, so uh, yeah, if I, I, again, I find that interesting, but I, I guess like, like like a novel, and it's written in a really, you'll, I mean, you'll see it when it comes out. It's written in a unique sort of way. Yeah, I guess I I find that interesting, but it but it does make sense in terms of a lot of these projects that you do, you know, uh, Vision, uh, Mister Miracle, Strange Adventures. You have the you've conceived the whole story all at once. So, you know, you hear that thing where, you know, writers keep things sort of open-ended because you want the story to, to be able to change organically, but you're really writing a, a almost like a snapshot in time uh, as opposed to, you know, like something on your, on your Batman run, there's no way you could have written, sat down and wrote, you know, whatever it was, 80 some issues of, of Batman as, as one giant omnibus, right? Well, you would have killed yourself. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, but it probably would have been fun. It would have been just, but I, I do. I mean, that I mean, I'm sure all of this. But I mean, Batman with the double ship was the first time they were doing double shipping. I mean, maybe they've mastered it now, but it was a entirely experimental. You know, when I took and double shipping with a list artists, which was very hard. So you've got three to four artists working on it. So you're writing issue four and then you're writing issue 16 and then you're writing issue two and then you're writing issue 20 and then random artist number three breaks three so give them six pages of a cold open for issue nine um and then go yeah so it's it, it was a cognitive challenge to sort of you know know where you were and where you were like herding cats it sounds like it was it was <laughs> it was it was and i had made i made some stupid rule in the beginning uh, which eventually i broke in city of bane I didn't break it until 80 some odd issues in, but uh, that if we switched artists, we would switch stories like that, that, that we would never just do what we're doing. Like in Batcat, Liam comes on, but there's no, I didn't, we, I, I wrote that beforehand. So I didn't know Liam was coming on. So it's just right. Liam's drawing what, what, so, so it just, it's just the story continues. Liam doesn't draw a different story. Um, but in, in, in Batman, I was like, you know, as a kid, I really hated reading, you know, Rob Liefeld, Rob Liefeld, random fill-in artist, Rob Liefeld. You know, I'd be like, where's my Rob Liefeld right. issue? Yeah. You know? yeah. uh, so I was, I was like, if we switch artists, we switch stories. It's a one shot or it's something else. And I tried to stick to that rule and whew, it was tough. It was hard. Yeah. I mean, and, and a lot of times, like they do that a lot with, with DC books these days. Um, and, and the ones that work best, it's, it's, it'll be like, if they're telling uh, stories in two different time periods, you know, you have, you know, half the art, like, like Jeffrey Thorne's Green Lantern is a great, uh, example right like yeah. the story that takes place in on oa is marco santucci and then the stuff out in kind of the dark sector with uh with john stewart and whatnot is is the tom rainey art so you know at least they try to make a make it make sense story-wise so I, I i think it i think it can work um but you know again you, you get to work with the best artists so that always that always helps it uh, does very much help know. yes <laughs> trust me yeah i would be falling flat on my face if i didn't have these guys problem me up well, I, I I wouldn't necessarily say that that's true because here here's the other thing that's true of, of all your work, and I'm I want to get your perspective on this in terms of how it relates to uh, killing time. You always write from a very 
personal place. And, and, you know, maybe people that don't, don't know, you may not realize how much of yourself you're, you're putting into your work and what you're trying to explore. You know, we talked about strange adventures being this idea of what truth is. And, and before a certain uh, former guy, you know, the truth was just the truth. And then all of a sudden it became truth was a matter of perspective. What, like what, you know, it's so, it's so strange. And then, you know, here heroes in, in crisis, which I think is criminally underrated. People give you way too much crap for for that maybe a little bit of miscasting uh with your choices there may have been part of it but but you're always trying to explore something and answer questions that are that are interesting and i always say how much i the comics i love best are the ones that make me think you are trying to to have fun and and create this heist getaway action story with killing time but knowing you the way i know you there's got to be something there's got to be a little bit of Tom King exploring something in, in killing time. Isn't there? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, that, that, that title, it means a lot of different things. I mean, there's a lot of hints in it. I mean, it, it, um, killing time is, you know, what does it mean to sort of occupy yourself? What do you do with your day? How do you, what do you do with your hours? You know, it's like, like that, that idea that, you know, like we're just killing time until we die. Right. That's another mm-hmm. thing. But killing time is also like, I mean, it's, I mean, the obvious pun is like sometimes it's killing. It like like there's a time for killing, you know. Right. There's a time for death. There's a time for killing these stuff. So so it it occupies. Yeah. So it's it's about that. It's about time. Um, and like I can't tell you, but like I said, it's it's told in a very unique way. Um, but it, but I mean, it's bad. It's Batman on a motorcycle. It's badass. It's a heist movie. I, I think movies can be not movies, but comics can be deep by sometimes playing it straight. Yeah. Um, like, you know, um, like Heats, like it's the 25th anniversary of Heat or something today. It's all over Twitter. Uh, and like that movie's just a heist movie, right? It's just guys finding cops. And But th- that moment when uh, De Niro and Pacino are sitting there and the conversation is banal. Who cares what they're talking about? Like you feel the entire weight of movie history. You feel... Um, uh, you feel like they're talking about the, the definition of manhood in the nineties. You feel, I mean, there's a lot of deep themes to that movie, even though it's just about a heist movie. It's about a cop chasing a, a bad guy. So I think you can make something that's thrilling and cool and play it straight and still the deeper stuff runs underneath it. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I think what we're, and I, by the way, that's one of my favorite movies. I can just about quote the whole thing. I absolutely <laughs> right. love that. I'm a huge Michael Mann fan. Just, I, yeah, I love of course. Stuff. Um, but, but the, the point being that you can, tell a story that maybe on the surface doesn't it, it, you know seem like it's exploring you know the human condition or what have you but at the end of the day the characters are human beings and there's value in whatever story you're telling if you know you're telling a story that's character first and you're, you're, you're you know you're making sure to stay true to the characters so whether you're writing something deep like you know mr miracle or you're writing something like a, a batman heist comic there's value there either way. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said before, like you have to put yourself into everything, even if it's your crazy passion, your crazy obsession, your crazy, like I, you said before, like I always put myself around. I think everybody puts themselves in the writing. Right. If you're writing, if you're writing badly because you're being cowardly and you're not willing to sort of bleed into the page, you're saying something about yourself in doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done that myself before where I read something and I was like, Oh, I, this says something about me and where I was when I wrote it. It says I was lazy. <laughs> I was a lazy fuck. <laughs> uh, so like, uh, you you can't help it, and that's what that's what makes art good. You know, that's what like 
uh, I mean, we're talking about um, Scrooge, you know, like, like when you're watching that, you're watching Dickens being like, I had a fucked up childhood. And when I look back on my childhood, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a miserly guy now. And I, I don't want to be that, but I can't help to be that. And he's struggling with all those issues. And you're just, you can see that you can see Dickens in it, but it's also an awesome Christmas story. So it's like, you know, you do both. Yeah, exactly. It could be both. What What is it, uh, if you can say, what is it uh, about you personally that you feel comes through in, in Human Target? Because you, I, and no no knock against your writing at all. I absolutely love the, the mystery oh, and, and the, the kind of relationship that's building between Ice and Christopher Chance. But you could be writing whatever. You could be writing the phone book <laughs> and I'd buy it because Greg's art is next level. <laughs> That's like I said, all three of these books, Target, Supergirl, and they're they're art first. They're built upon the art. This this is about you staring at pages before it is reading my work. Um, A Human Target was one of those, what about me is in there? Look, you can run away from yourself as much as you want. Eventually, you find yourself in the middle of it. I wrote that, um, not at the height of the pandemic, but when we're in the, God, we're back in the midst of it, aren't we? Yeah, it feels like. like. Yeah, right. but, uh, and I just thought, oh, I'm going to write this thing. And it's, you know, it's based on this old movie DOA and it's about a guy. And then like, it wasn't after I did, I'd finished. I was like, oh, I just wrote a whole book about, you know, a guy who knows he's dying and what he does with his time left in life. And I was like, that's how I felt during COVID. Like every day you were like, you didn't know, like you, it's so bizarre. Like we don't understand the kind of trauma we've been through because we're still in the middle of it. And maybe mm-hmm. like 50 years from now, we'll understand it. But like, it was, it's very bizarre. And I, I did this during the war. So I remember it. So it feels familiar to me. It's very bizarre to live your life when you think death is at your door. Um, and the time before the vac and the, the time before the vaccine, we all felt that way. It was just like, is this the day that I walk by the wrong person and, or I touch the wrong thing. Um, and I come home and I, breathe on my child my child dies is that today like I don't even have tests to tell me if I'm, I have this disease and suddenly death was in our face every single day and, and so it's like oh I wrote human target which is about a guy whose death is in his face every day and he's trying to struggle with that oh that's what that's about okay now I get it well I think great yeah like you said Greg's our next level and it, it it elevates that story and there's a charm to it you know this this sort of almost a madman-esque um just it's just beautiful. It, the, the art's just beautiful. So I haven't necessarily felt that yet. What, what you're talking about. I mean, I felt it during the pandemic. Like I, I, I love the book, the stand by Stephen King and sure. it was on my mind the entirety of 20. I was like, is this, is this, is this what we're going to get? Is this the end of civilization? Like, is this going to just keep getting worse and worse and shit's going to break down and you know, we're going to be like killing uh, former household pets for food and, I mean, you know, it felt that. I mean, yeah, I mean, the days at the beginning when the gr- you couldn't get groceries and you're just like, yeah. whoa, you're like looking around, and you're like, okay, what canned food do we have? And what is, yeah, um, yeah, uh, it's, I'm, I'm glad you're not feeling that in Human Target. Human Target, like Supergirl, like kill, Killing Time, is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be about the 20s. It's supposed to be cool, for lack of a better word. So, yeah, well, like I'm I said, glad. it's it's got that charm and, and, you know, ice is, you know, pardon the pun is just super cool in it. And, (laughs) and, you know, Christopher chance, uh, he's, he's, I, I, he's a character that I don't really understand why 
more people don't know him because he, I mean, he's, he's James Bond, you know, James Bond that will, will take a bullet for you. You know, you can hire James Bond to impersonate you and take a bullet for you. That that's his job. How is this guy not more well-known? He's had one more TV show than Aquaman. Now that Aquaman has a cartoon. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, but he had, he had the, the Mark Valley show. And then there was the, who was it? That was it? Uh, Rick's, Rick Springfield? Rick Springfield? Yeah, I think so. Rick yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's, he's been around. I, 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 I was not, the only way I was familiar with him, was, I, was, I was a huge Cliff Chang fan. I, mean, I still am a huge Cliff Chang fan. And he had done a part of the Vertigo run back in the day. And I had just collected those issues just because I wanted to complete Cliff Chang everything. That was and the so, one that uh, Milligan wrote, right? Yeah, that Milligan wrote. So that was that was my familiar, but I was not super familiar with him. I had not watched the TV shows. I went back and read the Milligan run, which is super good, and realized I couldn't do any of what he was doing. And um, and then I went back and read the Len Wein run, and which was super good. And I was like, oh, I can do this. That was that. That was the one where I was like, this is I, I relate very heavily to this. Yeah, it Mil- was fun. Cool. Milligan for me is hit or miss. Some of his stuff I fit. I get, I, I enjoy, and some of the stuff I feel like it's going o- over my head. But yeah, I remember <laughs> those. I remember the the backups. Um, was it Action Comics that? Yeah, it was yeah. Action, yeah, yeah. I remember the, those. You know, because I'm old, that old that I was buying when they used to do those backups. And yeah, that was my first uh, exposure to Human Target. And I, I don't know, it's just always cool. There's always something to be said for a character like Christopher Chance that doesn't have superpowers. Because as a kid, you're like. Well, maybe I can, I, I can't grow up to be Superman. I'm not from Krypton, you know. I'm not going to grow up to be Batman because my parents aren't billionaires. But maybe I could grow up to be Christopher Chance, you know. I could take a bullet for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's a moment um, in a later issue where uh, Ice and Blue Beetle are fighting somebody, and Ice is like, "Why didn't you help out?" And he's like, "I'm not a superhero." What is <laughs> Like they're fighting a monster bear and they're like, why didn't you help? I was like, well, give me like a week and I'll come up with a bear costume and I'll like pretend to be his mother and yell at him. He's like, what am I supposed to, I don't have, that's not what I do. You guys can fight monster bears. I'm going to stand over here. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Uh, Well, we got to talk a little bit about uh, two recent hardcovers. So again, if you're watching us on YouTube, you'll see uh, behind me there, we've got the, the hardcover for Rorschach. We've got the hardcover for, Strange Adventures. I'm doing too many comics. I better do some movies or TV or something. This is too much. Well, that's, uh, you know what though? That stuff takes years and years and years if it ever happens. That's the great thing about comics. You get an idea and a few months later, you can see it on the stands. 100%. Yeah. I just had a a, a movie thing die about a month ago. It was kind of sad. It's my my third dead end I've run into. One of these days. One of these days. Yeah, I mean, I was disappointed when the thing you were doing with uh, Ava DeVernay, was it the New Gods? Yeah, we had thing? the New that Gods was, movie. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is such a great idea, Mr. Burr. It was good, too. They never even read the script. They never yeah. read the script. Heart- it, still, it still exists, Ava. Heartbreaking. Script. One of these days, we'll get somebody who grew up as a giant comics fan to ascend to the level of like a CEO of one of these media conglomerates, and then it'll be all, all comic book properties from from you know stuff you've done and some other uh sadly neither one of us will probably be alive to to enjoy it by that time it'll take so long <laughs> there's some big comic book fans up there don't worry jim lee's at the center of everything jim lee grew up a big comic book fan yeah and and uh you know what i recently watched not to go off on a total tangent um i recently watched the history of late night 
it's like a CNN documentary is on HBO Max. Oh, interesting. Uh, and the reason it, it was fantastic. You know, it starts from from way back Jack Parr and and all those guys oh, all the way up to, to, to modern times. And the reason I bring it up is because I know you've been on Late Night with Seth Meyers. And he's a giant comic fan. That's true. Yeah, he was. That's I still think that's surreal that I went on that show. I was super nervous. I should have taken a Xanax or something. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, it was it was super fun. He came backstage and, uh, and talked to my wife and I. And uh, it was, it was he, he goes backstage. He's like, Tom, I'm so excited you're here. Uh, Miracle Man is my favorite thing ever. I love Miracle Man. I can't believe you wrote that. And I was like, Seth Myers, if you want to call it Miracle Man, it's fine with me. <laughs> call it whatever you want. Whatever yeah. you want. One of these days I'm going to get him. He's my bucket list guy. If I ever can get him on my show, I I bug him on Instagram all the time. I'm sure he doesn't even read my messages. I'm just like, uh, just here's your monthly reminder. You're welcome on the show anytime. Anytime. I couldn't, I couldn't speak highly of how how kind and cool he was. And he was so nice to my wife and it was, yeah, he was, he was super cool. Yeah. I mean, anybody who's willing to to help evangelize for comics, uh, you know, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of them. Uh, but anyway, going back to what we were saying, uh, yeah, b- behind me, you'll see the, the covers for the hardcover of Strange Adventures, Rorschach, two 12-issue minis that, uh, or maxi series, uh, whichever you prefer, uh, that finished up in, uh, in 2021. Both received well from what I saw, uh, both very different, but both, uh, I think, just very much wor- worth your time. And, you know, it, Granted, this is on Christmas, so your your Christmas shopping is probably already done. But if you didn't get if you didn't get what you wanted under the tree, maybe, maybe you got a gift certificate. Exactly. And you're just looking to spend it. Exactly. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't go wrong with either either one of these. So now that these are both done and and in the can, any uh, any surprises in how you feel about them? Ha- has your uh, perspective on on the stories changed? Did they turn out kind of how you wanted them to? I adore them. I love them so much. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have any perspective. Um, uh, the, the Strange Adventure hardcover is one of the prettiest just object books I've ever had, mine or anybody else's. Like they they, they went to design school on that one and just, just did not hold out. I, um, I, I can't remember the name of the designer. Um, she's on Twitter. But uh, I mean, it's gorgeous. If you if you take off the cover, the 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 underneath cover is is like is, is like shaped like a book and has this weird texture to it, and the pages have beautiful the color pops, and um, and like the back cover and the inside cover. And I, I, if you're a book nerd, that's like just a wonderful book to. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. But like it's 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 an object of perfection, regardless of the content. But yeah, I was flipping through it today. Um, I'm trying to get my. I'm trying to talk my son into doing a. Uh, like a like an instagram reel about it you know because he's like into editing videos and i'm too I was like i was like charlie will you do like a one minute where you just open it up and i'll post it uh, uh and so he's doing that so we were talking about, and i was just flipping through and i was like man i love this i i admit mr terrific came off as cool and the twist is cool and nobody saw the twist coming which is really hard to do in a, in a big mystery and but i thought the, the the clues were there you know it wasn't like the clues were not apparent when you go back they're there and um and adam's transformation seems legit to me and seems deep and but not like yeah i i i I, that book really rings true to me um and uh, and and rorschach i think just jorge 
oh, and I should talk about the art. I mean, Mitch, Mitch and Doc, they're art paired. I've never seen something. I mean, you talked about something doing Dungeon Green Lantern, but I've never seen one story told with two different artists drawing two different things perfectly in sync. It's rare that I do something in comics where I'm like, wow, I haven't seen this before. And I've never seen that before. Um, and they did it. They pulled it off somehow. Yeah, and, they, were, they, yeah they, they were fantastic. And I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe the, the book designer knew how much of a designer that Mitch is. <laughs> and <when Yeah>. I, <laughs> I'm going to pull out like all the stops. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, yeah I it think was, they were trying to impress Mitch. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Job well done. And, and in terms of the story, I mean, I, you know, like I said, we talked about it last time you were on and, and being a perspective of truth. And you're right. The, the clues were there, but, but here's the thing that I did. And I was so sure after issue 10 came out, I was so sure that I was right. When we get that scene where Mr. Terrific calls Alana and says, okay, I figured it out. And she's such a strong character. And, and one thing that her and Adam both have in common uh, is how much they care about their family and how much they care about their daughter, how much she cares about her planet, how much Adam cares about her. They, they're both will put their family before anything. And so I was so convinced and I said it on the podcast. I was like so sure that what you were doing was all along, we've been getting all these clues that Adam has been forced through circumstance into making these terrible choices because he was doing whatever he could to protect his family and, and show his love. And, you know, he loves his wife enough to put her planet first. Um, I was so sure that actually who was behind it all was Alana. I thought Alana is the one and she manipulated Adam all along. I, you, I was sure, I was sure Tom. And uh, no, it turned out to not, you didn't take it that far and, and not that I wouldn't have enjoyed that, but it would have been a little more gimmicky. It came across as more tragic for Adam, but again, completely reasonable in terms of the circumstances that he was in there. He was in a position, there were no good choices. What do you do if you're in that position? You know? Yeah, he was asked. I mean, it's funny. He was asked the same thing um, that Mr. Miracle was asked at the end of where he's like, do you sacrifice your world or your family? Like, what right. do you do? And Mr. Miracle chose <laughs> to sacrifice his family. He chose a third option. He chose to sort of trick to play the game. But a Adam who has a lot of qualities, he's not as bright as Mr. Miracle. He's True. not as, um, and I think that's one of the reasons he never went to Alana is because he knew Alana probably could see her way out of this situation, but mm -hmm. he could not. Um, all he could see was the stark choice in front of him. And so he took one of the two roads. The other uh, thing I, I think part of that's part of his shame. That's why he never, that's why he hid the whole thing from Alana. Cause he knew that, that she would not put herself in this situation. Right. Well, and the other thing is as much as he, he's, he had, and the way you wrote him, he had a lot of self-awareness. I, I think you're right. Like he knew he was in over his head. He maybe wasn't uh, making the right choices, but he, he knew he didn't have any other way out. Um, but in, in a way that that's how you sort of kept true to, to like the early Gardner Fox stuff. Like, you know, you go back and read that golden age stuff and everybody's sort of naive and, you know, it's good versus evil and there's not, you know, a lot of nuance. It's all sort of black and white knowing that this was a story you wanted to tell, did that, I mean, he's the perfect choice for it, right? Um, to take somebody who's sort of that one dimensional and then flip it around for the, the modern time. Is that part of the reason you chose him? I guess I'm asking kind of a, a chicken and egg. Did you, did you come up with the idea for the story first and then 
say, okay, Adam Strange is the, the guy for that? Or did you say, I want to tell a, a good Adam Strange story and be subversive with it so, and then come up with the story second? I know I, Mitch suggested Adam Strange were at his, I was at his house. Um, and that night I went, um, uh, I, I went to my room and I, I had been thinking about a lot of these sort of themes, you know, like war crimes and hiding war crimes. And, um, and it was, it was back during the, it's, I mean, it's hard to remember these days, but the Trump Mueller investigation mm-hmm. where we were, where, I don't want to get political about the whole thing, but like a, a lot of us were very naively thinking that kind of Mueller was kind of this guy riding on a white horse who was going to save us from the chaos of what had right. happened. And he was like, he's this ex-Marine. He's, he was a conservative guy. You know, he wasn't even from the left. He was just a tough ass guy who was going to be like all this crappy chaos. No, we're going to fucking set this straight. And so I was like, man, I, I, and we really, I, you know, I honestly had hoped that that would actually happen. And it turned, pff, just fizzled to nothing. Yeah. To nothing. Yeah. Um, he got played, you know, and, uh, but that was like on my mind, the idea of like an investigation into something, um, in, in, into a person who had made a mistake. Uh, so, so after Mitch had thrown, I was like, okay, let's do that with Adam Strange and sort of, we'll do Adam Strange as the, as the guy being investigated and we'll do Mr. Terrific as the guy investigating. And then after I sort of come up with that general concept, I went back and I had read some of the old uh, mystery. He wasn't, even, he wasn't in strange adventures. He was in mystery in space. Right. Oh, some of the old mystery in space comics. Um, but I, you know, I got the omnibus and, and I read them all and they're really terrible. I mean, I mean the art is beautiful. Um, the Carmine Infantino Murphy Anderson art is absolutely beyond gorgeous. They're uh, of their time. Yeah. But it's got that sort of, if you've read a lot of Gardner Fox stories, it's the same. It, it's, it's the Gardner Fox was, uh, and I mean, I think this is well known. He he was very afraid of sort of losing his gig, and he kind of really just wanted to give Julie Schwartz whatever Julie Schwartz wanted. Yep. And Julie Schwartz very much wanted to introduce science to children was sort of like his justification for the fact that he was making comics. Uh, and so all of I mean, so it's the same story every time. Adam encounters a problem. He comes up. Him and Alana come up with some pseudo scientific solution, and that solves the problem. And at the end of the day, they kiss and make up and it's it's it gets very boring after a while well the other thing uh, that julie used to always tell his writers was every, every six months it's it's a new a new crop of children so you you only have to tell like six different stories and you can start repeating them because it, it's new kids re- reading it which isn't necessarily true julie but that that's how a lot of those old golden age uh books are yeah they're sometimes they're very much of their of their time very- and his comics are very plot reliant. I mean, Julie Schwartz is one of the great editors of all time, but they're very plot oriented. They're all about like finding the, t- Robert Kaniger, who is a more uh, uh, controversial figure in the fact that he was more of an overt asshole, though uh, <laughs> Julie Schwartz was also an asshole um, in terms of he would like to pinch girls' asses. Uh, uh, Robert Kaniger's stories were much more emotionally based and, and I think register better to this day. If you read his Sergeant Rock stories and even like his Metal Men stories, like that, that like if, as, as sort of the, the, the mirror to him, I think those stories age better, um, even though they're fucking crazy. Like his Lois Lane yeah. stuff is insane. Uh, and the Wonder Woman stuff ends up, and there's a blatant sexism to the whole thing. But uh, but he he was very much built, very character-based, and Julia was very plot What are we talking about? <laughs> We're scrolling <laughs> off on with DC history. Uh, no, so, think- yeah, so anyway, so yeah, Strange Adventures, hardcover. You should buy that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. You should, yeah, it, and... Again, I, I think 
it worked beautifully. I, I don't think you could have picked a better character to uh, to juxtapose. And and the one thing, I mean, I know, and, and you know this, you know, from from the uh, Batman Fifty and and um, certainly Heroes in Crisis and now Strange Adventures. I saw some people complaining, like you you after, after the final issue came out and with the ending, which we won't spoil here. Go buy the hardcover; you'll love it. Um, was like, oh, you you, you ruined Adam Strange. I, I'm like, okay, first of all, it's a comic, so anything that one writer does another writer can come and undo and the second is it's a freaking black label book it's right there on the cover this has nothing to do with regular continuity you can completely ignore it and pretend it doesn't even exist if you don't like something change the channel i've ruined characters before i mean i ruined thomas wayne and he's been sort of unruined i ruined wally west for a little while he's been unruined (laughs) um so i i know when i've i've done it i've committed the sin Adam Strange, first of all, he was already kind of ruined because Jeff Lemire made him Canadian for no reason. So anytime you turn Canadian halfway through your life, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and nobody uh, and was paying you, attention to him anyway. And you look back like like um, uh, Andy Kubert drew a series in the eighties uh, where he's like a total asshole, where he cheats on Alana with like a with a with a young like secretary, but like, like, it's clearly like, I'm bored of my wife. I'm going to cheat on my, and and like, it's like almost like a justification. Like it's not written like, Oh my God, he's committing a sin. It's like, Oh, he's making the right decision. He's finally (laughs) realized he should be sick of his wife. It's uh, so like, he's not had a great history or done like, I don't know. DC comics is full of 500 superheroes that are cooler than Adam strange (laughs) that I, that that I would be more hesitant about ruining the, yeah, that was, I like his I like the jetpack and the gun. I mean, it's all cool. And Alana's super cool. Yeah, yeah, Alana I think is is the more interesting of the of the two characters. But but yeah, that was the other thing. Is like Adam Strange is not like the super popular character, and and people you've ruined Adam Strange. You didn't care about Adam Strange before Tom started writing this story. It's like he's got this huge fan base. So please save your uh, moral outrage. I feel like people are just. You know how if, it is, if right now DC Comics was like, all right, Kyle Rayner takes off his ring, goes to Rand, gets a jetpack and a gun, he'll be a better Adam Strange than Adam Strange would ever be like, you can fix this in 10 seconds. The cool things about Adam Strange is the gun and the jetpack, not the man yeah, underneath. Exactly, exactly. But but you're talking about cool characters, and, and yeah, I think Alana, there's a lot to her, there are a lot of layers, and she's just badass and doesn't take crap from anybody. But the other thing is, you know, you briefly mentioned them, you got to write uh, Michael Holt, who I think has tremendous potential and i would love to see you do more with him would you be interested in in writing more mr terrific yes uh mitch and i are trying to to get some mr terrific and uh uh love out of dc so if you want to see more mr terrific please buy this hardcover just show them that there's love for this character and 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 we'll get more yeah i I loved writing him he's my kind of character he has a, a very sort of tragic origin story with his wife dying with his unborn child and and I love Jeff Johns. So I sort of made him the atheist character in the DC universe um, in, in contracts with Doctor Midnight. Uh, and yeah, I, he's he's I don't know. I I I I I liked writing him. I liked finding depths within him and not just having because I think people write him as just like he's ideally perfect. He's super smart. He's super in shape. He's super good looking. And he can kind of get a little Superman on you where he mm-hmm. just kind of so perfect he's boring so it was it was fun finding sort of the little cracks in his armor the fact that he's like a loner and he kind of ignores things and he you know uses his mind to distract himself from his emotions and all that kind of stuff so yeah i i, I really liked michael Holt. yeah I, 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 I like his power too i like the three balls he throws at people yeah i he's got a great visual aesthetic 
and and you're right like i the parts about him that aren't perfect are what makes him interesting and yeah i want much like you're saying i want more of more of that because just reading you know reading a series about him just kind of solving the problem by outthinking everybody issue after if, issue after issue we'd be heading back to that gardner fox style of storytelling yeah, yeah there's 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 a lot there in that character there's there's a, a lot to explore um yeah and then uh, I, I like how him and alana found each other and kind of recognized they're two people that like they both saw like immediately oh i see all of your shields in front of you i see all of your shields okay can we just drop this shit and go for a walk yeah. right you know so i like that about them it's fun sometimes when you put two characters together and they immediately have a chemistry on the page and you're like oh this is going well okay. yeah they had a chemistry there and they both saw through each other like you said the the, the walls are, are kind of the the projection you know like this is how i want other people to see me like all right you can put that crap aside because we're so alike that i can see right through that yeah, yeah it was it was fa- fantastic and then yeah we we definitely have to talk about rorschach and and jorge fornes incredible art on that and it, here's another one where when it first got announced people kind of assumed you were going to go a certain way and there's always controversy whenever dc tells any stories in the kind of the watchman universe with the whole well, you know, Al, DC's ripping off Alan Moore. Blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? They, him, I, I, I get it. I understand where you're coming from, but Alan, nobody was holding a gun to Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' head when they signed this contract. Would they go back and sign it again? No, of course not. They would, they would not make that mistake. But it's not like Watchmen hasn't always been selling and deserves to be in print. And so I understand the controversy, but I think setting all that aside, you went in a t- completely different direction. Like, I didn't know what to expect with this Rorschach title, uh, but it never let me down. And it was, I think, in- an incredible narrative and spoke to the source material while still being its entirely own thing. Yeah, I mean, as reluctant as the audience is or anyone, I- I'm the same way. I feel kind of yucky about the whole thing uh uh i have my own justifications for for doing it uh if anyone cares uh number one i talked to dave gibbons about it so at least i got half permission (laughs) and alan moore won't you know obviously engage um number two there's nothing i could do to give them to get them the rights back if i said no to the book it wasn't like oh tom said no to rorschach give alan moore the rights back right yeah that's like that's not a thing that's gonna happen um i have and Dave, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but and Dave was perfectly fine. Like he he gave his blessing for you to do this. Yeah, he, Dave and I are friends. We know each other. He's like, I think I think it would be good. So yeah, um, and uh, so so the not the, the rights went going and number number and, and and part of that is like uh, if I do this book and it's a it's a total failure, it'll just be ignored. If it's a big success, it's gonna make. Watchmen sell more, which will give more money to Dave and Alan. So the, the consequence is that it's not less money going to them because they're not, if, if I turn it down, less money goes to them. If I do it, more money goes to them. So, right. uh, and number three, uh, I, mean, um, I mean, Alan Moore, he, you know, he, he, he did Lost Girls. <laughs> he, he did, <laughs> you know, I, I I'm I'm pretty sure the creators of those characters would not have agreed to him doing what he did to them in Lost Girls. Uh, you know, he did the Gentleman book. I'm sure the creators of those characters would not have agreed to what he did. Right. Um, so uh, I, I 
that to me was, I mean, enough evidence that I could kind of see it as 51-49 to do with the book. Um, but but given all of that, uh, I didn't want to be like, I'm changing the ending of Watchmen and Rorschach's and Walter Kovacs is alive now and he didn't get killed by Dr. Manhattan. This is what actually happened to Dr. Manhattan. And this is like, I didn't want to go in and just do a sequel to Watchmen. I didn't want to redo Watchmen, do a cover song of Watchmen. So to try to be as respectful as I could to those guys, I didn't touch their book can exist entirely. You can read their book and read Rorschach and be like, I like their book better. Like it doesn't change anything in their book. It doesn't Mm -hmm. piss on your dreams. You know, it's not like, um, uh, well, a good example. It it it, it doesn't say that when uh, 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 Luke and Leia got married, their son turned out to be Hitler. Like it doesn't do that, right? <laughs> like it, it 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 takes inspiration from it. It it doesn't just uh, re- regurgitate. But it, well, but Hopefully. the other thing that it does, it takes a lot of inspiration from some of your other loves. You know, we talked about your love of of you know kind of old movies, crime noir, these kind of gumshoe sort of things. And, and really that's you know, the detective that's investigating this uh, assassination attempt who, who's sort of central to the story. Um, you know, at least as central as, as, you know, Rorschach himself and, and, and the kid. Um, I, I, I loved what you did because he, he was our, he was investigating, following along, trying to find the clues. And it was sort of the most on the nose POV character that I've ever read, but just his voice was so unique. He was so matter of fact that in a way, the story's almost about his, uh, you know, as, as much as the story's about solving the mystery, the story's also about kind of his evolution as, as a character, which was again, not at all what I expected. Yeah. That character is interesting because I purposely did not give him a personality or a background. Um, I, I I sucked it out of him. Like even in the first scene, um, there was a scene where he's like wearing a um, a t-shirt where you can see his his arm. And and Jorge wrote me, he's like, I, we can give him a tattoo. What do you want to have a tattoo on his arm? And I was like, oh, he could get you know Doctor Manhattan symbol, or we could do something like you know to to, to give. And I was like, no, 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 he doesn't have. He's nothing like you. So you literally throughout the whole twelve. I shouldn't spoil anything, but you never learn anything about him. You right. don't know if he has kids. You don't know if he's married. You don't know where he grew up. You don't know where he's from. You don't know. You learn one fact about him in the in issue 11, and that's that he read pirate comics when he was a child. At the very climax, that's what he says. It's the only thing you know. Um, and that's because it's a Rorschach, right? It's a book. You're, you're, he's your POV character, and I want you to see him as you, and I want your view of him to reflect back on you. He's the abyss. You're looking into him, and he's looking back. So yeah, I mean, but- that, 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 that's, that's that character. He's Rorschach. That's what it means to be that and- but and it, and it, with the way that it and with, with what happens at issue eleven and issue twelve, it works so well. But but the thing that's so cool about what you did is you don't. He's your POV character, but you don't realize you kind of don't realize he's he's the way you put us readers into the comic. You don't realize that till you get to the end. He makes his choices, and you go, "Yeah, I agree with those choices." <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you yeah. He, he goes, I mean, I mean, the whole book is about paranoia and insanity and how sort of the current, that current situation could drive you insane, which fuck it drove us all insane. So yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. I'm glad you, I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah. That's what, that's the point of the book. So, you know, we talked a little bit about kind of the backlash when it first got announced when it all was said and done, 
uh, did you feel like people got what you were trying to do? Like, were you happy with the, the reception in the end of, of how people felt about it? I mean, I know it, it just ended and you'll probably get more feedback now that the, the hardcover's out. I mean, I think it's one of those books that people had such an first impression of that a lot of people didn't give it a chance. Um, uh, and they, so I think, I think it's one of those books that'll survive as people read it in hardcover and realize what the whole story is. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I couldn't be more proud of it. It's, it's, I wouldn't change a goddamn page. Like you talked about Heroes in Crisis, a book I love and how, yeah, I think it was a little miscast. No, I have no, I love that book. I loved issue one. I, I wrote I wrote that as a novel. It was the first one I ever wrote as a novel. And when I gave it to Jorge, he read the whole thing, all 12 issues. And he's like, this is the best thing you've ever written. And I was like, I agree. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I like I, I've, I'm super proud of it, and I, and I, I hope it finds. I, I hope it, people give it a chance and look past. Um, I mean, there's two ways to look at that book. You're like, Ugh, I hate anything that that's Watchmen, so fuck it. And then there's some people who are like, I just want the, that Rorschach who's um, beating up bad guys. I want Rorschach to just be Punisher, uh, and I didn't do either of those two things. So it's. Uh, so so either of those two people who went into that book with sort of that perspective i think maybe they had they had some trouble with it there's also people who i don't know how to, how to say this but like we are in such a politically charged time so you read i do this too i'm not innocent of it you read things and you look to see if someone agrees with your politics before you kind of um give into it you know mm-hmm. yeah um you know you're like I mean, you'll be like, you'll be like, man, I love Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. He's awesome. He's like, what? He's anti-vaccine. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. You know, you'll be anti-rooting. Like, I'll never put him on my fantasy team ever again. Yeah, <laughs> like it's that's like the time we live in. You know, um, and uh, so I think a lot of people are reading this and they're like, oh, Tom is Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't because, uh, um. Yeah, so I, I, I don't, don't read it from that perspective. Know that my politics are, are fucking whatever. I mean, I'm not shy about being anti-Trump and and uh, and pro a better fucking world. Uh, so, so don't let that stop you. This is not like a pro-Trump book because I wrote about a Trump character. Yeah, and I, I think like honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're if you're a regular listener, you know that we we covered every issue as as it came out, and we were we were fans of it. The thing is that. And you also know that Rocky doesn't give Tom a pass at all for for Heroes in Crisis. With you know Rocky being my co-host, uh, who, who <laughs> I appreciate Rocky. Yeah, Keep me yeah, honest. Yeah, he, it, it makes yeah, me a better writer. He, he didn't care for Heroes in Crisis, and he didn't necessarily care for the Batman run. And he he was kind of down on on your work. But I, I was like, dude, just read this. It's good. And he was right there with me, loving every single issue. So you just at, at the end of the day, you just you have to give it a chance. And I, this is one of the those these stories and it doesn't surprise me to hear that this is the first one that you wrote in in one sitting you can't just read one or two like you got to read the whole story to have it make sense because again i go back to the the choices that the you know the the detective made in the end and and how you know, i mean my politics are similar to yours tom so maybe somebody on the other side of the aisle wouldn't make the same choices but i was right i was right there with them going yeah fuck yeah that's right yeah you did it I wish I could have done that. Yeah. So I, I think it worked. I think it worked. And I, again, I think people just need to give it a chance. And and to my point earlier about a lot of your, um, a lot of your work, I think it does read better, you know, in, in a, in a collected volume. Well, I, I mean, I love it. And I think it, yeah, I think it reads really well. 
but yeah, I, I encourage people to get it and give it a chance as, as sort of a one. It, it's a good story to get lost in. It's a good story you can take to a beach and just disappear for a little while and not have to think about the world. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, Hopefully. you again, not to bang on this drum, uh, but you got the, uh, an incredible artist, the perfect artist to draw it, to, to capture the aesthetic and, and sort of that sort of cynical dystopian feel that sometimes the Watchmen world has. I mean, I, I've been a fan of, of Jorge since uh, he did the Aftershock book, Hot Lunch Special with uh, with Elliot Ray Hall, which, you know, is a fantastic story. Yeah, it's good. Go pick it up if, if you haven't. But I, I I can't picture anyone else having drawn this book but Jorge. No, Jorge was perfect. I mean, that's the reason that the book exists because of Jorge. Um, I told this story before, about it, but uh, Jorge did batman annual four for me if you don't care about batman let's just read my annuals my annuals are really good uh and i remember reading that book and being like this guy's a genius uh because i literally i i mean i didn't find jorge people knew who he was but like he was a guy who would send me art on twitter and be like hey tom look at this and, and i'd be like wow that's really good why is it it's like i was the first one who suggested dc hire him i was the first um i and dc at the time was uh not um management has changed since I'm, I, I won't go too behind the scenes, but, but they, they, they didn't recognize Jorge for what he was. Now they do. He draws half of their covers, but at the time right. they didn't. Um, and one of the things I was, cause they'd offered me his Rorschach book. And I said, no, I was like, I will do the Rorschach book if I can have Jorge. And, and they're like, all right, fine. I guess that's, that's the one condition you bring to it, you know? And, uh, and it was the, it was the perfect choice. And that, that book, I mean, that's, we were talking before about sort of books that don't come out. That book came out 12 issues in 12 months, which is unprecedented. Yep. And it's 24 pages. It's not even 20 pages. Um, so it's, it's a little longer than, than most books. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. We, I, for, I, I, we should also, yeah, we should also, I, we forgot to mention it when we were talking about human target that that's 28 pages. So you could, you definitely get a big, a big chunk of story. So go buy human target. It's fantastic. Uh, but, but getting back to, to Jorge's art in, um, in Rorschach, the other thing about the story, this is not, I mean, it's not the most complicated story, but it's also not a really straightforward story because of the subversiveness. And uh, you also don't tell it linearly. Um, so, <laughs> yes. you know, like you, you often don't. So, so that was the other thing that, that really made it work that because of the style that Jorge uses, you know, and I always, from, from the beginning, I've seen Jorge's art, I get uh, very much a Maza Kelly vibe, which I don't understand why DC didn't re recognize. To me, it's it's obvious, um, but I don't know why they didn't didn't recognize it. Um, but using that style to tell a, a complicated story, I think, um, it, in a way, the visuals, the narrative storytelling, the visual se uh, se sequences that Jorge is doing, it makes it easier to, to understand. He's he's in a way he's simplifying the story so that even though it's not told linearly, it's it, it, it's not at all hard to understand. No, Jorge can do two things, uh, which Mazzucchelli can do too, but he can tell a very clean story. A very right. one thing happened after another, you know exactly where everyone is. It's just perfect storytelling. But he's also like sneaky experimental. Um, uh, you know, th this story is told for people who haven't read it, it, Citizen Kane style, where it's like something, there's um, a big thing happens in the beginning. Uh, a guy in a Rorschach mask tries to kill the president and gets killed instead. And it's an investigation of that. So the whole thing's told in various flashbacks as the detective goes around and meets with people. So he kind of sees different aspects of the crime. Uh, 
of sort of each, why this guy decided to kill the president. And, 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 and throughout that, we do all sorts of weird time stuff and time jumps and this, and, and Jorge makes it simple and, and work, but he's also like, like we did issue um, nine, I think where he did three people telling three different stories. And I wrote it very complicated. I was like, this is three people telling three different stories at the same time that are all one story. And he's like, what if I do it so you can read it across and up and down at the same time? I was like, that's insane. Let's do it. (laughs) Like he did that, you know? And like, and then there's another issue where like all the pages match up. Um, You know, we did Watchmen tricks because Watchmen had, of course, you know, uh, fearful symmetry and stuff like that. So there's this sort of little shout outs back to, back to the original. Um, And, and he was experimenting and I would push him and then he'd push me even farther. Yeah. I love Jorge. Um, I I hope, I hope I work with him forever. And he's such a nice guy too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he really is. So, but yeah, I, that's one of my favorite issues with the three uh, confessions. And um, I, I, I loved it because I, I, I just dig those type of stories. Like, I don't know if you, um, if you have ever seen the John Travolta movie, basic. Uh, Long where, time ago. Yeah. Where people are telling the same event, but from their own perspective and the story changes based on who's, who's telling it. And, and yeah, it's been done in a bunch of different, you know, sitcoms and, and procedurals over the years. Um, and then at the end, usually the truth is somewhere in between all the different stories, you know, um, and, and yeah, with what you did with those three confessions and then in terms of what it actually, what was actually the truth uh, was, was fascinating. It was great. It worked. Definitely. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, or I do the crap out of it. And it was beautiful. Dave Stewart colored him because each one had a different color pattern. And so, uh, yeah, that's a cool story. Dave Stewart killed him. Well, we, we definitely have to talk a little bit about your, your creator own. I know you can't, I know you <laughs> I can't, have more things I wrote. This is I too know, much. Yeah. I know you can't say too much. I, and I thought that you guys ha- were planning on a- announcing already. And then I, I imagine, uh, cause I've heard you say that this is going to be released in sort of a, a different way. So I imagine it's a lot of kind of logistical things you haven't been able to, to make an announcement. So do you know when we can uh, expect an, an announcement and can you tell us anything about like the premise or, uh, anything about it uh, other than the fact that you're uh, you're working with Elsa? I can't tell you anything about the premise. I can tell you we were we were going to launch it um, or announce it in October, which is why we announced that Elsa and I were together because it was literally yeah. like, okay, in two days we're going to do this launch. So let's just do a, like a mini launch of, right. of of the two of us, and then all of a sudden, for very good reasons that were neither in Elsa or I's control that have to do with the publisher, um, it got pushed back. Uh, three months all of a sudden <laughs> so so uh, uh yeah so it should be uh, uh early in the in the next month uh after after christmas and early in the new year um in the, w- w- you'll get the whole schmabile about what the what it is and what it and i'll be freaking everywhere trying to promote it because it's my first creator one i've ever done in my whole life uh, i did sheriff of avalon but that was for vertigo and i have that same deal that alan moore did <laughs> If it gets out of print, so um, some asshole who's making Sheriff 2 thir- 20 years from now, I forgive you because I did the same stupid thing. Uh, and so I'll never get the rights back. But yeah, this is my first thing I've had the full rights back. And, you know, we're already doing, you know, we've already, you're setting up TV shows and the whole thing. It's like a, it's almost like a company and you don't even launch the book yet. Um, and, uh, and I love it. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's something entirely different. You will not see it coming. And then as soon as I announce it, you'll be like, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be like, wow, that's in, that's, I've never seen a comic book like that. And of course, that's exactly the comic book Tom would write. So <laughs> I think that that'll be everyone's general reaction. And Elsa is killing it on art. It's beautiful. It's again, it's like Jorge where it's, it's 
simple, perfect storytelling, but also she delves into the experimental. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm talking in generalities because I can't actually say anything about what it actually is. Well, so. but we can. So push back three months, but you guys are still working. So, you know, we were talking about, you know, very first thing we started, uh, kicked it off with was the, the fact that you can bank more issues, right? So you guys are still plugging away on it. I mean, is this going to be a limited? Is it going to be ongoing? What's... Yeah, I mean, uh, I know it's an ongoing, you know, it's it's modeled after sort of like the um, the saga moss or saga, 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 yeah. walk, saga Walking Dead, sorry. Yep. Um, you know, we, we want to do, a, a actually the models, it's it's really modeled after is Sandman, uh, which I know is not quite any book, but uh, we want to do a huge, long thing that, you know, you could get, you know, 13 trades of at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that it's 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 an ongoing. I'm working on another creator on some mini right now, um, but yeah, this this one is is ongoing. And yeah, fortunately, you know, um, you write a lot of comics, so uh, we we have the resources to sort of. It's I mean, when you're doing indie comics, it's all you, right? Like, there's no big bank of Warner Brothers, yeah. AT and T. Yeah, it's you. Um, but you know, knock on wood, we have the resources to keep paying the colorists, keep paying the letterer. Uh, and, and, and poor, and, 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 and poor Elsa just keeps chugging away. And, uh, um, so it, 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 it was kind of a blessing because now we're super far ahead and to be super far ahead in any book is good. She, the, the, the first, uh, arc or the first trade or whatever you want to call it is, in, is literally in the, is done, you know? So, so we won't, there won't be delays. It'll just come out. It'll be beautiful. And I'm the next thing I'm going to write after I write this one is the next arc. So, cool. Yeah. I'll well, be yeah. Starting on that soon, near. And and I certainly, you know, just speaking from a personal perspective, I I would prefer it be delayed this way at the beginning before it starts. I I would rather that than have a couple issues come out and then have it be delayed because of supply chain or paper shortages or or, or that sort of thing. You know, like I exactly like exactly let it come out when it's ready. Let it keep that momentum. And we, I promise we won't wait until Christmas to have you on next. You know, you, if you're going to be making the rounds. We'll have you back on to help uh, signal boost because hundred percent. I will be on everywhere I can to be shouting to the moon about this book. Cause I just, I want people to see it. Well, God, other- Lord, we started it and it took us a year to launch it just to, I mean, to get, to get started because I mean, this is what creator owned is it's, it's fits and starts, but like Elsa and I came up with this idea together and, and I mean, yeah, but it's, it's been like a year and a half in the making. Um, well, like you real, said, you don't, you, you don't have the big bank to, to back you up. So you got to fit it in around the other, you know, the other stuff, but you, you know, you have a, a fan base, you know, you have people that, that, you know, follow your work because they, they, they love what you do start starting with, you know, Sheriff of Babylon. I mean, I, I fell in love with your work on Grayson that you were doing with that hack Tim Seeley. Uh, <laughs> <just> <laughs> what a kidding. hack that guy. Just, like just kidding, dude. We love you. Dude, that guy uh, carried me. Yeah. But, but I mean, here's the thing you, you're going to have, you know, a good, I think a good launch because you have that good um, solid fan base and uh, you know, you, all these artists that you've worked with over, over the years, these fantastic artists that we said, you know, they can do covers, you know, you get their fan base in. Um, so, so yeah. And, and as far as Sheriff of Babylon, I'll just make one comment about you signing the same sort of not so great contract that Alan and, and Dave did, but at least they didn't get shackled to Mitch for life. Like, like he did, that could be the, <laughs> the worst part about Sheriff of Babylon. <laughs> I know that's right. Good point. Damn it, Mitch. What the hell? That's even worse. <laughs> every day I'm sure Alan's like off there being like, at least I don't have Dave bothering me every day. <laughs> Sucks yeah. to be you, Tom. 
Yeah, but but you on the other hand have Mitch constantly berating you and making fun of you on uh, social media. See, constantly, that fucking guy. Yeah. Mitch and I just started a new big thing, which uh, is going to be our highest profile thing we've ever done. So we'll, we're we're both very nervous about it. It's what? gonna it's getting a, a a a big old push. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think I saw you sent this whole the whole script right. Mitch posted it on yeah. On Twitter, yeah. it was like a big giant. Thing, it was a big so. giant thing. So Mitch just started drawing that, um, and it makes me super nervous. So I it was, I was, oh my god, I was freaking out over the draft. I was like, oh, I got to change this. I got to change this. I got. I, I rarely freak out over my drafts. Where I'm usually like, man, all right, we're gonna do this. If it sucks, I'll fix it in lettering. But I was like, no, they're gonna. Like, yeah, you get nervous when it's like, you know, everybody's gonna be looking at you. Well, I, I have absolutely no idea what it is, but what I hope it is, I hope it's a Superman story because uh the uh the superman story that you did um that was uh it wasn't digital first it, it was in the the superman giant right the, a walmart the, books walmart, walmart yeah, superman the, yeah the up in the sky um was yeah that was that was fantastic and and, and that that reminds me your, your superman red and blue story was also very heartfelt and i i love the perspective so uh, Mitch doesn't always just draw sad stuff. Like I think Superman, the hopefulness and what he inspires uh, must like, you get it. I love Superman. He's my favorite superhero. I would write him every day if I could. Um, although I'd like to write the classic version of him. I like, I like him. I like Lois Lane, not knowing his identity and being the gotcha, hard scrabble yeah. reporter and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Although, yeah, God bless where he is today with the whole thing. So I think that's also pretty cool. But I just, I like the old Bronze Age Superman. Yeah, something timeless uh, about that. And and again, that's what Black Label's for. And so, yeah, that's what That's we... what Black Label's for, yeah. Yeah, uh, I love, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, uh, that, that um, Up in the Sky is my third best after Vision and Mr. Miracle. Like above all my Batman stuff, everything, that's my third best selling trade. It's like. That, that that little stupid that little Walmart book that I, I yeah. think anyone would care about just kind of keeps going. And I like yeah. that. that's that's kind of sweet. The little Walmart, and I, I we should also mention as we're uh, I'll, I'll let you go uh, here in, in in a minute. But as we're as we're winding up, I, we also have to mention you know speaking of Superman and, and sort of anthologies, uh, you got to take Superman and Lois on a date in the Wonder Woman. I've got to take Superman and Diane on a date. Yeah, yes, Diane on a date. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> I did. Yeah, that it was, was very, fun. Yeah, it was the very much the mod era of uh, a Wonder Woman where she wasn't uh, wasn't Wonder Woman. She was just yes, it was it was the um, O'Neill uh, Mike Sikowski, right? Sikowski. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that 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 era. Yeah, um, yeah, that was when Doc Shaner drawing that. That was just uh, that was a little dedicated. You know, my mother was a very proud sort of um, you know. It, not San Francisco hippie, but LA hippie. And so it was, it was kind of, you know, my mother, I very much idealized that sort of late sixties environments. And uh, I, I want to try a story. My mother passed many years ago, but that she, that it would just be a fun story though. I wish I could show, show it to her and be like, look, you know, this is, this is like, you know, Superman and with Wonder Woman being kind of like this free spirit, like my mother was and Superman being kind of like this kind of square up cop square. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was so much fun. It was, she was totally, yeah, she was totally calling him out. She, you know, here here it is, Clark, and I get it. Like he's Clark, right? But <laughs> but she knows that he's Superman, and he's still <laughs> sort of this square, bumbling. And it, to me, it just showed the agency that that Diana has all has always had. You know, this this beautiful woman that 
even to Superman, she's intimidating. Right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was super fun. It was based on a, an old world's finest by O'Neill and Dick. I think it was O'Neill and Dick Dillon, where they go on a date by accident, where they it's actually like a computer dating service sets them up <laughs> in, in 1970. I don't know how long computer, but yeah, it, it, and a computer dating service sets them up and they're and they're like oh, very awkwardly like, oh, crap, it's you. And so like they, I did that. I just stole that moment. But then in, in that story, the computer turns out to be like an evil Terminator computer from the future that wants them to, <laughs> to go to the future and change everything. But so it goes off the rails. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's I stole it from an old time. It does. It does. Well, uh, despite the fact you're writing a thousand books, I think we covered them all. Uh, Jeez. Yeah, man, we freaking checked them off. Yeah, we did. Even the short stories, even the 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 Superman blue and red. That's yeah. that's really obscure. Uh, man, I'd, I'd love that. I love that. I mean, that, that, yeah, it, it was fantastic. So uh, anyway, Tom, th- thanks so much again. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Uh, look for, looking forward to killing time, looking forward to the end of uh, Batman, Catwoman and Supergirl. But, but I got to say the thing I'm most excited for is to see your creator owned because you get to do whatever the hell you want. There's no, you know, big giant AT&T Warner Brothers corporate bosses to answer to that say, no, you can't do that to Superman because we got to sell pajamas and toys and blah, blah, blah. So that's what I'm most excited for. It's very funny when you, when you see it, it'll be like, I could have very easily done it at DC, but no one would have said yes. And I, <laughs> one of the pleasures of it's going to be like, I could have done this here. And yeah. So, yeah. yeah I, I, I love it. That's the hardest part about creator. It's like, I could be writing anything. I'm writing this. I'm sure I'm in the right place. But, so <laughs> We'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, people on social media will be happy to, uh, to tell you if you're not right nobody's shy on there this should cause some kerfluffles but that's all right yeah speaking of which uh if people want to follow your work know when new stuff's coming out when you finally announce the the creator where's the best place to to follow you online uh twitter uh tom king uh, tk just my name and my initials at twitter i'm also on instagram tom king underscore tk (laughs) just to make it a little more complicated great and i'll put links to the social media in the show notes everybody as always uh so you can go click there if you're having uh, uh trouble finding them um and that's it. And uh, I'll give you one last chance to uh, to say anything to to listeners or, or anything else you want to share or plug, Tom, before we go. Um, no, uh, I mean, the Lord knows I plugged enough of my books. Just uh, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you so much for listening, for buying, for reading. Uh, go enjoy your families. Go enjoy. Uh, if, go enjoy your Chinese food. If you're of my mother's faith, go just go have a good fucking day and 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 relax. This is yeah. what the one day is. This is what the day is for. Take yeah. it easy. Have a cookie. Yeah, the day's about family, uh, and so enjoy it. So, uh, Tom, once again, thanks so much. Great catching up with you. And, uh, yeah, look forward to having you on much sooner than, than a year. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on to talk about the creator. When it, uh, My pleasure, man. Thanks. The time is right. So to you listeners, happy holidays. Looking forward to, to a new uh, prosperous year in 2022 and uh, appreciate your continued support. So thanks for joining us as always, and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. 
All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.